0: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello, fresh! Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host. Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. This episode of the Karma You podcast is sponsored by Wild Nutrition. Wild Nutrition are the experts in women's nutritional health, providing naturally sourced, Food grown supplements formulated by women for women and backed by over 50 scientific studies. One supplement that I often recommend my clients is Ashwagandha, and Wild Nutrition have an incredible high quality product called KSM 66 Ashwagandha Plus. Ashwagandha supports mental well being and promotes resilience against the demands of everyday busy lives, helping you find calm in the chaos. And it's scientifically proven to reduce stress and anxiety levels. Combined with food-grown magnesium, KSM 66 Ashwagandha Plus is a product that helps support mental function and maintaining a positive outlook. As experts in women's nutritional health, Wild Nutrition offers a great 60-second quiz or a 50-minute free consultation with their trained nutritional therapists over Zoom or phone call for any woman seeking guidance on what to take and how to improve her health. And you can use my code KALMAYOU for £10 off your first order on wildnutrition.com. That's KALMAYOU, C-A-L-M-E-R-Y-O-U, all in capitals and all one word, for £10 off your first order on wildnutrition.com. So welcome to the Karma U podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And a big welcome if you are new to listening to the podcast or welcome back if you've been listening for a while. Today's guest is the rather lovely Sarah Ann Macklin, hailed as the Jamie Oliver of the nutrition world by Mary Claire. She's an award-winning accredited nutritionist. She's a podcaster, and we have such an interesting conversation. We talk about neurodiversity and specifically dyslexia and Sarah Ann's experience of this and how she organises her life to make the best of the way that her mind works and really seeing dyslexia not as a disadvantage but as a superpower. We talk about why people don't implement self-care and I loved sarah Ann's perspective on this. She really described it in a way that I hadn't really heard people talk about it before. And it made so much sense. We also delved into a topic around something that sarah Ann is really struggling with at the moment and her perspective on how she's handling that, which is so, so interesting. And we talk about anxiety and sarah Ann, you know, talks about her own experience of anxiety and the sorts of things that come up for her and how she manages it. So I loved this conversation. I think you're going to find it so, so useful. Definitely send this to any friends of yours who maybe you know have dyslexia or suspect they might be neurodiverse, because I think this is such a powerful conversation that people really, really need to hear around this topic. And if you'd like to connect with me more or hear more from me, I'd love to invite you over to my home on the internet, which is KarmaU.com. The address is Karma, C-A-L-M-E-R, hyphen, the little dash, and then uyru.com. And over there, you can get free resources. I've got a free workbook for high-functioning anxiety. I'm running free workshops quite often, so you'll find the details on my website. All the podcasts are there, blog posts, and more. So do come and join me there. And if you don't already follow each other on Instagram, you can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. I'd love to to say hi. I love it when people DM me to let me know they're listening. It really does make my day. So please don't be a stranger. Come over and say hello. And I would absolutely love to hear from you. So let's get into the episode with Sarah-Ann Macklin. This episode of the Karma You podcast is sponsored by Wild Nutrition. Wild Nutrition are the experts in women's nutritional health, providing naturally sourced, Food grown supplements formulated by women for women and backed by over 50 scientific studies. One supplement that I often recommend my clients is Ashwagandha and Wild Nutrition have an incredible high quality product called KSM 66 Ashwagandha Plus. Ashwagandha supports mental well being and promotes resilience against the demands of everyday busy lives, helping you find calm in the chaos. And it's scientifically proven to reduce stress and anxiety levels. Combined with food-grown magnesium, KSM 66 Ashwagandha Plus is a product that helps support mental function and maintaining a positive outlook. As experts in women's nutritional health, Wild Nutrition offers a great 60-second quiz or a 50-minute free consultation with their trained nutritional therapists over Zoom or phone call for any woman seeking guidance on what to take and how to improve her health. And you can use my code KarmaU for ten pounds off your first order on wildnutrition.com. That's Karma U C A L M E R Y O U, all in capitals and all one word, for ten pounds off your first order on WildNutrition.com. Ah, oh, welcome Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing?
2: I'm good, thank Thank you so much for having me on. I am um, I was saying earlier, I feel like I, I know you, but this is the first time that we've actually met, so I'm really happy and thrilled to be here. So thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, really looking forward to chatting to you. I'm a big fan of your the videos that you make on Instagram. I've watched a lot of those recently and so many useful things that you have to share. Could you tell us a bit about what it is that you do and how you got to where you are today?
2: Yeah. Oh, thank you. Or well, vice versa as well. I absolutely love your page and all the, you know, great information that you give out regarding anxiety, because yeah, it's definitely something I think we all kind of can relate to. So, um, yeah, vice versa. So thank you for sharing all your information for me. Um, I definitely had quite an interesting career. Like, so now I host a podcast as well. I host the live well, be well podcast, which is an amalgamation of stories and storytelling of people's lives and what they've been through mixed with scientific experts in their field. So you actually have the right resources to kind of garner what you need and make your own kind of tapestry journey, whatever that looks like to you of your health journey, mental, physical, and emotional. And alongside that, I also run a mental health organization called the BY Collective, which kind of fosters an amalgamation of all the different experts, resources, blogs, we do live events, workshops, mentoring schemes. And I'm also a registered nutritionist as well. Um, I've been practicing for the last five years and do a lot of work in that area. But kind of how I got there, I started actually in the modeling industry and fashion when I was 16. And back then, you know, I was went into this kind of big world, but exciting world with kind of no emotional awareness around me. You're very young at that age. As you all know from the work that you do, you know, you're still growing and learning who you are. Um, and so I was definitely kind of chucked in at the deep end. But with that actually came a lot of positives because without me being known, I was actually very dyslexic. And so I basically spent all of my school life feeling I was kind of on the back foot, quite unintelligent, quite understanding what was going on in class. And then all of a sudden, this opportunity came around, which wasn't really measured intelligence by sitting down and reading a book and doing an exam. So it actually showed me a way to shine without me understanding it. So I had a really successful modeling career. I lived all over the world, shopped for brands like Ralph Lauren, um, Burberry, I mean, Matthew Williamson, Vivian Westwood, Vogue, I kind of did that whole kind of circuit. And when I was living in New York, I actually kind of had a full-on breakdown. My, my body just went into complete burnout. You know, I was just over five stone. I was in hospital. My kidney kind of gave way. I had E. coli, I had septicemia. I had five birth cysts. I mean, like you kind of think about it. All of that happened in the space of an hour and that was it. I was in hospital and it basically just made me really understand like, why am I here? Because I th- thought I was pretty healthy. You know, I was successful on what looked on the outside. I'd bought a house, I was traveling the world. I was, you know, kind of living, living the life, but actually I was deeply unhappy, deeply sad, deeply lonely. And back then, this is over 10 years ago, uh, social media was just launching um, and Instagram, Twitter had been going since I think 2008. But yeah, Instagram had just kind of boomed. And kind of what I now look back and realize is I never actually answered who I was. I was just kind of living this character. I was surrounded by all of these bombardments of healthy food and healthy, clean living on Instagram, which actually wasn't healthy at all. So it kind of corrupted this distortion in my mind of what I thought healthy was. I never understood about talking therapy or understanding my emotions. And I kind of think all of that with a high, very intense pressure job at a very young age, just, yeah, basically made me kind of go on a big, a big venture. So the first kind of step I did was, was leave that and go back to university, go and study human nutrition, which was a huge thing for me to do because as I referenced before, you know, I never, was great at school. I never thought I would be doing a science degree. And it was in that moment uh, within the first few weeks where I was about to drop out because I remember sitting in biochemistry and just thinking, nothing makes sense. I actually don't fit here either. Where do I fit? This is just not me. And it was that moment when uh, you know, I remember it really clearly, a professor saying, come to my office and they wanted to get me tested for dyslexia. And that moment when I did get tested and I did get I never use the word diagnosed because it makes it sound like a lifelong disease that you're about to die from. And it's it's not. It's actually an incredible superpower that I've now figured out. But um, just my whole world transformed. You know, I actually realized that I was intelligent and I could do these things, but my brain just worked very differently. And actually, it wasn't in a linear system. And so that gave me a first understanding of all the strengths that I had and actually understanding what those weaknesses were and supporting both. And so, yeah, that led me journey to actually allow me to finish my degree, get a first, which I thought I would never do with a lot of support of understanding how I can kind of support my own learning processes. And then I went on and um, I basically wanted to look at how we work psychology with eating because eating disorders was a huge thing that I basically was in an ecosystem where everyone I knew had an eating disorder. Because that's you know that was part of the modeling industry. Whether people say that or not, you know everyone had an emotional connection to food that they struggled with because it was sort of their body was their money that you know their body was what earned the money that was their self worth, and so they had to yeah. be very rigid with what they were eating. And so then that maybe start the BY Collective, which was the mental health organization that I that I speak about, where we do yeah free mentoring, big seminars, big workshops, events, and important blog resources on all different health areas written by trusted experts because for me the reason why I wanted to go and become a nutritionist and become registered and understand the science behind it was because for so long I was listening to people who didn't have the expertise in that area and I was actually taking a lot of misinformation which actually became really detrimental to my health and as social media kind of is expanding and getting bigger and more powerful and an amazing tool it's also you know a tool that's not regulated and so we have to be really careful with who we're trusting so I really wanted to build that platform so yeah so that's kind of where I ended up today so it's definitely been an odd journey it's kind of been one of self-awareness that's fostered kind of where I am today and kind of the information that I share and the passion that um, I have kind of my own journey to to kind of relate that with others which is why I believe stories are so powerful and things like this what you do with your podcast and that's why I love podcasts because I think actually you can understand why something is good for your health why you can understand why therapy might be good you can understand why eating vegetables is good for you but unless you connect with something unless you connect with an emotion or a story actually you're never really going to make that change we're going to do it because you think you should rather than you want to so I think kind of bringing those two things together stories and knowledge is so powerful so yes that's a little bit about yeah how I've ended up where I am (laughs)
1: thank you for sharing your story yeah and I've yeah, it's really interesting how you describe how powerful stories can be for creating that emotional connection that can mean that we can more easily make a change. You know, if we have a yeah. heard a story that is kind of relaying that rather than just being told the facts, for example. So yeah, I love that idea. And yeah, so interesting hearing you talking about dyslexia. And I hear that a lot. I feel, I feel like in my life, I've got so many people in my life who they have ADHD and they've only just been diagnosed. And, you know, that, well, I mean, no, I'm not going to say diagnosed. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say diagnosed. They have it. this yes, new university. Yeah. Yeah. They've had this new university and it's a huge turning point. They realize actually, no, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I just have a brain that works in a different way. And if I can learn to use that, then you know and they and they started being kinder to themselves and embracing you know more of their creativity, and it's amazing to see, and yeah, great to hear your story about that. Can you share a bit more about what it's like having dyslexia and how that has affected you, and how have you found ways to kind of um, work with that and yeah. and find those superpowers within that?
2: Oh my gosh, it's definitely a long linear journey, and I don't know if there's anyone listening to this who, when I describe kind of how my brain works it connects with someone and if there's one person that listens to this and goes oh my gosh that's how I feel or oh my gosh that's what I think my partner has or my daughter has or my son has um you know those moments are so important because I you know didn't find out that I had dyslexia until I was 24 and by that point you are very very conditioned to kind of believe that actually you are different you are not as intelligent you do struggle you can't process your brain does go in 10 different directions. Why do you need to know all of the facts? Why do you, why can't you just accept that this is what the answer is? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because what happens after that kind of later understanding that you've got this is all of that self-compassion work that needs to come in. And that is something that is so essential to anyone with neurodiversity or to anything really, I think, that affects your mental health or your self-worth. It's having that compassion. And so as well as understanding, how my brain works and how I can support it. I've also had to develop a massive amount of self love and self compassion around all of this because I have always talked myself down or always made myself a little bit smaller. And if I'm completely honest, the reason why I launched Beware well Collective and not my brand that's out there and it's my face originally was because I didn't think I was good enough. You know, I didn't think I was, you know, the voice of authority to do that. Although I did so much work and so much research in those areas and dedicated so much of my time to do that that's why I kind of put up a facade it's just really interesting when you look back and there was just a lack of self-compassion around this this thing that I had so I think talking about sex and kind of taking it back but I just thought it was a really important point because no one's ever spoke to me about that and it's something that I've had to really learn around that and being kind to yourself is when I was at school for me When I get a lot of information presented to me, especially in black and white text, my brain will just shut off. It just kind of looks at it in a blur. So I would always feel, and this is where the intelligence comes in, even in older life, people go, I love this book. Join this book club. This is one of my favorite books I've read. What's your favorite book? How many books have you read? And you're going, I do not enjoy that. Why don't I enjoy that? I find that overwhelming for me. I love a podcast. I love an audio book, but sitting down to read a book and you always feel a bit odd that for some reason, it's socially acceptable to like books, but it's not socially acceptable to say actually, it's just something I just don't enjoy. Because you're know, kind of looked on in a very odd way. So I kind of went through a lot of my life in school, like not enjoying reading, really struggling with it, really struggling with processing information. I could remember it, but then I would leave, and so all of these facts that would be thrown at us on school trips or for, ready for exams, I just couldn't get them to stick in my brain. Trying to relay words, my phonics, like all of that just was all very mixed up. Although I inherently knew what I mean. And I think that's what's very frustrating for dyslexics. There's so many times it's very hard to communicate how you're feeling. And so there's a mixture of an overwhelming amount of information and you becoming very stressed in that moment. So you do have to like segment information up. You also have to have breaks within your day, which I think everyone has to do, but for a dyslexic, it's really important to make it very clear on what your task is, because your brain automatically wants to go and do five other different things. And so to have that concentration is really, really important. And when you're at school, it's very hard to gain that with everything that's going on in the classroom. Other things as colors. So again, like black and white text just doesn't work with me. If you'll look at my calendars or you look at my work diaries or you look at how I even lay out all of my information it's in like small blocks of text and it's all different colors and all different colors relate different meanings to me and then I can actually interpret that very quickly so for me it's about kind of planning out my day so I don't feel overwhelmed it's about trying to make everything else a lot easier around me so I am somebody who does have to have a routine in the sense of I need to know that I've got food when I come home I need to know that I've got like times to work out because otherwise my brain just gets very overwhelmed with everything that's going on and so for me having that stability in other areas allows me to then inherently focus um having those breaks making sure that you know i use systems such as i'm writing my book at the moment i can't just sit down and and, and type on type on the computer and write a book it's just not how my brain works for me i need to voice note i need to go to walk i need to be in nature i need to connect to memories to visuals And then for me, it kind of comes out in the context that I would write. And then I need to listen back to it and go, actually, is that what I meant? Whereas if I just read it on a, on text, it doesn't come out that same way. And so I basically had to realize, and AI is amazing for dyslexics. And I don't know if something you've touched on, but for me, AI has been completely transformative for me. I know there's a lot of worries around AI and where that could lead to. And will they take over us? And, you know, are they going to come more intelligent than us? But for me, actually being able to talk to a system where I'm going, this is how I want to say it, but I need to reformat it in this way. And I need to structure it in this way. And having kind of like a companion there to kind of help you do that really, really helps with that overwhelming process. And so I wish I had that when I was younger, because it's my brain, it's my thoughts, but I'm just trying to restructure it in a way that makes sense. So I think there are all the things that I've really struggled with. And I've basically brought in coping mechanisms, as I said, like voice noting, transcribing, doing all of those kind of things, making time in my day, not overwhelming my diary, and just trying to become a bit more kind of kinder with myself through those processes. I think for years I didn't write a book because I just thought, well, I can't write a book. I can't do it. Can't sit down. I can't sit in a room and sit down and just write my thoughts. And that for me was a barrier where actually there's so many other ways you can attempt to do that. It doesn't have to be this one social conditioned way that we've all been taught to do at school. And so I would say for anyone that's struggling with overwhelmment or processing or remembering information, that's a huge one, or, you know, not enjoying reading or feeling very distracted in moments, all of these things are dyslexic traits. Again, emotions are really dyslexic trait. You can get very overwhelmed. Um, in moments, um, and you can really struggle to process emotions sometimes. If any of these things resonate with you, it doesn't mean that like you're broken or you're unintelligent or you're not like everybody else and you don't want to be like everybody else. Actually, you really want to be different because that's where you shine. Then all of these things could be part of, you know, a neurodiverse trait. And it's actually accepting that, knowing that doesn't work for you and then trying to find solutions that do work for you. And I think we are now. So lucky because we live in a world where there is so many solutions and options available. If this linear process, which I don't believe life is linear, but if this doesn't work for you, what kind of we've been conditioned to do, like look outside the box. And I think that's when neurodiversity plays an amazing part because you do look at the bigger picture. You do want to kind of open your vicinity and see actually. Well, that's the problem, but I don't want to look straight down that one lens. I want to open it up. I kind of want to see what else could be happening here. And that's where there's so many other things that can kind of really help with that process. So I would just say, be curious with it. That's kind of a really big superpower of dyslexia that I believe. And like follow that curiosity and don't let any barriers, and this is where you'll come in with the amazing work that you do, Like, don't let those barriers kind of block you. Kind of push through them, and um, and then actually, I think like a lot of people who are neurodiverse really do shine because they let that superpower kind of come out.
1: Yeah, how amazing! Yeah, finding different ways to do things. It's interesting, isn't it? How we are conditioned to, you know, you've got to sit down and write your book, and you've got to read a book, not listen to a podcast or whatever it is, and actually finding ways that work for you and what that might look like. And I, I often, well, I do wonder about how many people. Who maybe have been, you know, told they have anxiety actually do have neurodiversity and that is just undiagnosed. And if they could, yeah, have more support around that, then they wouldn't feel so anxious. I think it's really interesting area to think about. And, it really yeah. is. I
2: was, you know, I was even sitting down having a conversation last night with someone who I didn't know. I was kind of just at an event, and he asked me. Um, he kind of just wants to know a bit about my life. And I just, I told him apart, you know, when dyslexia was at, when I was told that I had dyslexia. And he just latched onto that and he said, did your whole world change? Did you understand who you were? Did all this happen? And five minutes in the conversation, I was like, did this happen to you? And he had ADHD. And he just said, you know, I listened to Garbo Maté's audio book and he was describing his struggles with ADHD. And I was walking into work and I was just sobbing and I was crying. And I was like, this is what I do. This is how I feel. And, you know, he was saying the only thing that's keeping me alive was my work because I was arguing with my family. I was arguing with my children. I was a crap husband, crap father, awful friend, like all of these things because he just couldn't understand his brain. And as soon as he connected to, to what he was saying on this audible book, he was just like, oh my gosh. And he said, I'm so ADHD that I can't even go and get a diagnosis. You know, I'm, I'm so bad that I can't even kind of book that in. And just hearing like these kind of groundbreaking moments that like people go through when they actually understood because they feel basically that they've been seen and they've been heard. And that's such a big thing because actually so many of us don't feel seen and heard who we truly are. And we try to like morph into what we believe society thinks we should be when actually we should just be who we are. But because we haven't ever been taught to understand emotions, to understand ourselves, we kind of just go through life, like fitting into what we think is right. And I think that's where actually so much work just has to be done and kind of understanding who we are and actually not shying away from it, like empowering it, basically.
1: I love that. Yeah. And it's interesting that there are so many people, I can't even think of people off the top of my head, but so many like amazing entrepreneurs and, you know, people, great thinkers. I think Einstein, didn't Einstein have ADHD or something?
2: Dyslexia. (laughs) He had dyslexia. O D T. Okay, yeah. Steve yeah. Jobs had dyslexia. Steven Spielberg's got dyslexia. I mean, there's so many amazing minds that all have this. Richard Branson, he talks about it a lot. He's a math advocate for neurodiversity. You know, so many incredible minds that have have this, but sadly, it's just been stigmatized. And it's like something like one in five people are dyslexic. I'm like, why do we not talk about this more? You know, one in ten people have, one in nine have IBS. Everyone talks about IBS. Everyone talks about symptoms and flare-ups and the fob and paps and the gut and the brain connection mm-hmm. and how, you know, you have increased um, levels of anxiety and depression for IBS. One in five people have dyslexia. No one talks about it. That's not night. True. Yeah. It's crazy. crazy.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for speaking about this. I wanted to ask you about, I, I know, obviously, you're, uh, you work in the world of nutrition, do you, do you see sort of clients one to one? And can you share a bit about your, like, what is your nutrition philosophy and what, what do you, how do you approach that?
2: Yeah. Oh, anything nutrition. I love to speak about. Um, yeah, I do see clients one to one. I was doing a lot more clinical work on Harley Streets. And then in the last year, because I'm just kind of running the podcast and really trying to dedicate myself time to write my book and just give myself space, I've really taken, I've taken it down to one day a week. So I still, I still do that because I do love seeing those kind of one-to-one changes and helping people in that way but actually there's a part of me that if I can help more people in a, in a larger way actually that has a, a bigger ripple effect so I try to dedicate more time to doing that at the moment but I still do love and that's why I cherish that that day that one day that I have um in clinic but my kind of my my approach to nutrition is is really similar to actually something that how how I set up the be well is I know that nutrition is one disposing factor to so many other things that make up our kind of health journey. And it's multifactorial. Like We aren't linear. Our brains aren't linear. Our bodies aren't linear. And actually understanding that when someone comes to see me in clinic, I really want to know like why they're here. What is their health goal? and Yes, we can work on that nutrition side, but there's so many other things going on with that one individual. And so just looking at one predominant component of food might not give them that solution. There's so many other things that we need to look at. Their mindset, their stress, kind of how was their childhood relationship with food? How was their childhood relationship growing up? How do they approach things now? What's their current state? How much space do they have going forward with the things that we're gonna communicate? Have they got time to dedicate to themselves? There's a lot of self-awareness that comes into our into my practice as well. Because I really believe that like for true change of behavior you have to have that space and it's going to be the right time for you so we kind of work in an amalgamation of things but kind of predominantly it's around prevention for me I'm so so passionate around health prevention you know in your mind say this people might come and see you when they feel there's a real crisis but actually if people came to see you when there wasn't a crisis when those times of crisis comes in needs they're so much more well equipped and it's the same with nutrition people kind of come to me when there's a problem they've got high blood pressure they've got IBS they've they're suffering with low mood and like actually it's really important that we kind of treat in that moment and we do as much as we can but actually if you come to see me more on the preventative side and say these are the things that I eventually would like to get to and I'm in a really good space in, in my life to dedicate time to do this the results are like profound you see so much more because people have got the mindset to actually do and achieve these things. And I think a lot of the time we all look for a magic pill. We all really want that quick fix. And so much around how I practice is there's just not one quick fix solution. It's not going on 10 supplements. It's like stripping all back, seeing actually where you are. Food is first. But we work. I work predominantly a lot on mindset with nutrition. Um, And that's just about one, one of my personal passions. So we can kind of work those two together and also get the foods to support that and the nervous system then actually things become a little lot easier in, in kind of the long run. And we see those longer term changes. So yeah, for me, it's more around kind of mindset and nutrition and, and, and merging those two together.
1: Such an interesting idea about prevention, isn't it? Because I think so many of us are like that. We, we only seek help when things get quite bad. Like mm-hmm. we might be struggling yeah. with something for years and not seek help. I, I read something recently about anxiety 50% of people don't seek help for anxiety and it often takes people about 10 years before they they actually seek help. So I think there's a lot of things kind of blocking us from, from doing that. And I know I saw a post you did about kind of implementing self-care and why we don't, why we don't take care of ourselves. Why do we not prevent things from happening before they get started? I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on
2: that. So for me, like, as you're saying that, the whole, the whole thing that I want to say about that was shame. Like, mm-hmm. we're shame. There's so, there's so much that we don't speak about in shame. And obviously Ben Abrand is like the goddess of shame. You know, she is like the pinnacle of the person to listen to around, around that. But every time we feel that we're going to say something that's going to either disappoint us, disappoint people around us, lead to that kind of shame umbrella it stops us from doing it. You know, we're inherent characters. We just kind of, we, it's, it's harder to face those moments than it is to not. So the brain is in, in, incredibly lazy. It's incredibly powerful, but it's incredibly lazy. And so if it has to do work, it doesn't want to. So it's easier and it's more of a habit formation to go, actually, I don't need to approach that because that's going to take a lot of work, a lot of energy, and it's going to cause a lot of pain. And so for that reason, I don't want to go there It's easier for me just to kind of sit in this discomfort of what I'm experiencing and actually not face it. And so many times, sadly, that's how we're conditioned. And You know, that keep calm, carry on that you see in all these mugs and this like logo that we kind of seem to have in, in the British society is a lot from kind of our parents generation where they were parents of children that were brought up in the war. And it was just kind of like you deal with it and you get on with it. And that's kind of been kind of conditioned, I think, into our generation, whereas I think now we're trying to kind of fight with, but wait, it doesn't have to be that way. And it's kind of trying to take that shame off by saying, I don't need to keep calm and carry on. But there's just a lot of kind of conditioning from our parents, unless you've grown up with parents who are openly wonderful and spoke about your feelings and allowed you to have that space. But I think it certainly wasn't the case from my perspective and how I grew up. Um, It's not the perspective from a lot of people that I speak to. So it's trying to not allow that shame to kind of stop you as that barrier. And it's understanding what shame is, right? It's understanding is that the feeling that I'm feeling when I'm thinking about addressing this emotion or pushing this forward? And how am I dealing with that conflict? And so I think that's kind of a really big area of stopping us having self-care. And it's interesting because self-care is one of my pillars that I talk about a lot and the seven pillars that I have. And I think self-care has been really misinterpreted. And I don't know if you think this, Chloe, but I really believe that we look at self-care as we're going to go and have a spa day or self-care as, I don't know, getting my nails done or getting a blow dry. This is speaking for girls, thinking for guys. Maybe it's like, I'm going to go and lift weights or I don't know, I'm not a man, but whatever that kind of condition self-care is into you. But actually self-care is like a daily practice. It's something that brings you joy and it's space for you. So for me, self-care is like allowing 10 minutes where I sit down to this consultation, this consultation to this podcast to make myself tea, to actually like treat myself to a, a green juice that I inherently enjoy and to have space before I sit down. Like that is me giving myself self-care. It's not taking calls to the very minute to this podcast and they're not having headspace. It's actually saying, no, I respect myself more than that. And I'm going to block 10 minutes of time for me. Like these are moments of self-care. These are things that you put into your day that actually make your life a lot more happy and joyous because you are controlling it. It's not having a spa day because that is not accessible to everyone. That's a very elite way to look at it. And so it's about what can you do in your day that is literally for you, that gives you peace and happiness in those moments. And I think that's, it's a rewriting the narrative of self-care. I think that's really, really essential.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And, and I guess even if you, you know, are lucky enough to have a spa day, that's not going to be very, like, nourishing and sustaining to your every day. We kind of do need those, like, 10 minutes here and there or a bit of white space in the diary or an early night, those sorts of things. An you know, early night. is not going like, to really do anything, I don't think. Maybe for a few minutes afterwards, you're going to feel relaxed, but,
2: yeah. Yeah, but I also kind of think, like, how much pressure to be like, right, I need self care, right, I'm going to try and book a spa day. Okay, now I feel financially burdened because that feels really expensive. and. Actually, like all of these things that kind of come into play. And I think, as you said, like spa day is lovely, but it's not a daily practice for you that you can do for yourself. Like getting an early night might not be a daily practice, but when you could actually look at your diary and say, do you know what? This week, this is for women, I'm on my menstrual cycle next week. I know that I'm going to be exhausted. So I'm just going to take time for myself and have an early night. And I'm going to go and get loads of foods that are good for kind of like anti-inflammatory. I'm going to get lots of salmon and nuts and avocado and olive oil. And have loads of peppermint tea and chamomile and I'm gonna stop my meetings at six because actually that's what I need. Like all of that is self-care. All of that is you kind of putting yourself first and writing that into kind of your diary. So yeah, I think it's it's rewriting that narrative. I love the sound
1: of all that. That sounds wonderful.
2: <laughs> um, I also, It's I harder it so... to do though. It's harder to yeah. do. Like it sounds yeah. so simple. But it is so hard to do. That's the that's the that's the crux of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about shame there. I, was like, I don't think I've heard anyone really describe it in that way, but it makes so much sense. I think there's so much stuff, isn't there? Like, I mean, I grew up in a family. My family all all meditate, and yet I still grew up to become this person who was like feeling like I had to be busy all the time, not wanting to have a break. You know, not taking care of myself. So we can still get that. It doesn't matter. <sighs> how like into meditation your family is for example but um totally i think there's so much stuff like becoming a mum recently realizing how like this mum guilt feeling like where did this mum guilt feeling come from but it's there like if i'm away from him if i'm not you know i'm taking a bit of time for myself it's it's popping up or you know i hear from a lot of people they feel guilty if they relax That like i should be doing the laundry not watching tv i should be you know, working not you know taking ten minutes to to have a break. So, and that can make yeah that perhaps does stem from shame from like we don't feel like we deserve it. We don't feel good enough. We don't feel like we're worthy of worthy of that.
2: Completely but yeah. It's so a complete interesting. lack of it's a complete lack of self love. Mm-hmm. You know, because actually, mm-hmm. if you say all that back, if I say all that back to you, you would be you would think gosh, it's really not selfish. You're watching some TV, they're not doing your washing. Or gosh, it's actually okay to have some time apart from your baby. You know, all of those things are like absolutely completely fine. It doesn't make you a bad mother. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you lazy. But it's like all of this conditioned and all this pressure that we put on ourselves to show up, to turn up all the time. It like so much pressure on us as individuals. But when we try to release that and actually say, no, I might need this time for me, the guilt takes over and actually our brains don't take a break because the whole time we're trying to enjoy that time off or you're trying to enjoy that time from your son and have your moment, you actually are just feeling this massive weight on you. Where actually, if you had the self-love to say, no, I'm completely worthy of this. My baby is completely fine for the next however long it's a it's a different context but we we're, we're all every single one of us will experience that and we just don't talk about it we don't normalize yeah. it
1: i think it is so important to have those conversations and even you describing you know i take that few minutes before the the podcast interview and i sit down with a juice it's very i think it's very permission giving we hear you know you're doing it so maybe it's okay for me to do that as well like i think it's really important to sort of share those examples so love that and, one question I like to ask my guests is, is there anything that you're struggling with right now? And how are you how are you kind of handling it or moving through it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So we were meant to do this podcast last week. And I had two big kind of life-changing pieces of news last week, which like, I obviously won't share what they are, but it was, for me, it really kind of rocked me at my core. And I've been doing a lot of processing in, in, in the last week about kind of, what's happened to me recently. We all have those moments, right? We all have those moments that are you think are completely life changing, that you don't know how we're gonna get through something. You don't know if you've got that strength. And I think I've definitely grown a lot in the last ten years. I've had definite moments of like life changing information given to me or things that have happened. And I think in the past I've been incredibly reactive to that, you know, it's inherent, right? You you shout or you're angry or you cry or you think it's like there's, there's no way you can get through this or that when that piece of information is delivered to you, you think it's like the end of the world and you don't know how you're going to see the light at the end of that tunnel. And it's a really natural human instinct just to be insanely reactive because it's kind of your fight or flight mechanism that kicks in. But like something that I've really worked on in the last week where I wasn't in Apparently, obviously, I had all of these these the same emotions were still there. It's not like I just was a Zen Buddha at all. Like I had all of those anger and upset and loneliness, all those emotions came up within me. But I think something that I have really tried to foster, and it's something that I've tried to live by in the last few years, is adaptability. And it's around knowing that actually life isn't linear, these moments happen. And there's not always one answer to what you think is the solution in that moment. And I say that, as I also read a lot around Philip Schofield this week, who has obviously been hammered in the press a lot. And he's done something wrong. He's elicted a lot of shame on himself. He's elicited a lot of shame on his family. He's elicted a lot of shame on his friends, the people he works with. He did, a, he did an interview this week and he said, if my daughters weren't here for me, it would be the same story as Caroline Flack. I now know how she feels. And there's always two sides to a story. And I think that's really important. But there's this kind of adaptability. Like you look at it from one lens and you think, okay, massive amount of shame for what he's done. And everyone's hammering him and everyone's very nasty towards him. He is obviously trying to survive through all of this. Obviously has an insane amount of shame through this, carrying it anyway. And then there's all of this media attention on him. And we all go through life where shit happens and where things come up. And actually, it's about realizing that maybe life isn't this clear, pure line that we all imagine it to me. Maybe nothing is perfect. Like we say that, but we don't actually observe that. And so when things happen to us, we kind of go, okay, well, that's the decision I need to make. Okay, well, that means X. And actually it doesn't. And I think it's around taking that time to like understand oneself and like how Adaptable can I be in this moment that's right for me? And that's something that I've definitely kind of come more to terms with in the last few years. And when these kind of moments arise, it's about enhancing that adaptability because it's not something that you're just born with, it's something that you have to learn. And that is something that's really important, knowing that whatever life's being thrown at you, and there was a lot that was thrown at me last week, like there is no rigid route. And things and emotions change and you change and how you're feeling changes. And that's something that's really important to harness and hold. And so I just think that was something that I thought was maybe really important to share that actually if people listen to this and they're going through something incredibly difficult, actually just think about adaptability. Like whatever it is, that's okay. Whatever emotions are coming up, but try not to just be that reactive you because actually is that going to be the best for you in in the long term and so i think yeah that is a term that is kind of sitting a lot presently in in my mindset
1: and i think it was just before we started recording that we were talking about i can't remember if you were talking about i think you're talking about a podcast guest talking about how how adaptable we are as humans like we are we've adapted and evolved for hundreds of thousands of years and to be adaptable is our nature, and I think sometimes we can forget that we are stronger than we we realize, and we can yeah. you know, learn to change and just I guess yeah. that reminder as well of everything is changing, like you said just now, our feelings can change moment to moment, new information can come to light, you know people can come into our lives to support us, things might not turn out how we're you know expecting them to they, you know quite often don't, but yeah, so that. And I suppose within that adaptability, kind of recognizing that things change all the time.
2: Yeah, I didn't quote him, but it was Brian Johnson that we had on last week. And he said a line, he said, adaptability is merely a trait, but a lifeline in a world that refuses to stay still. And I just thought that was really beautiful because actually it is about being adaptable. And sometimes I think when we get news that we don't expect to be the way that we want it to be, or that was the outcome that we expected, we can become very emotional in that moment, as opposed to kind of looking at the adaptability of what could happen around that situation. And he's basically trying to reduce his age. He's basically trying to stop the whole aging process and spending two million pounds a year to do to do exactly that. Um and he goes through like he hits these moments of pain and he's trying to adapt as much as he can. And not saying that, you know, we need to take what he's doing, but it was just really interesting when you know, when I asked him, like, how do you have the strength to do all of this? And he really believes that like, adaptability is kind of a really important trait to human existence, which I just found actually really important for me in this last mm-hmm. week. So yeah. so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Fascinating. Fascinating. I guess just lastly, like, do you have any words of advice for people, you know, struggling with anxiety right now? Any sort of tips or words of wisdom that you wanted to, to share?
2: Yeah. Well, I would say, I think something that, I mean, I do suffer with anxiety. First off, I think like we all have, and I I honestly truly believe that anxiety is just part of human existence. Like I do believe, I don't think one person, if they do, they are the Dalai Lama. I think even he actually gets it, goes through life, not moments feeling anxious. And obviously you can have chronic anxiety that could be completely like disabling and you can't move and you can't work, and it affects your day-to-day life to such an extent. But then you can also go through your day just feeling anxious a lot of the time for reasons that aren't known or for some reasons that you're suppressing a lot and you're scared to actually voice what you're feeling and thinking because of shame or because you're scared or because you're scared of conflict. But I realized that like those moments that there's two different moments for me. One is very inherently linked to my menstrual cycle, that I someone who really suffers with PMS and I have been using Natural Cycles the app now for a couple of years. And it's really helped me understand that actually nothing is wrong in that moment. For me, it's a moment in my cycle where I do get really bad PMS and it's like three days before my period. And I'm just anxious. You know, I know that I'm more anxious than usual and having that kind of reassurance Actually, for me, is really settling. And so I have a lot of like acceptance and self compassion for myself, which is definitely something I'm still working on. I don't sit through it and go, Oh, I'm fine. Obviously, during that moment, it's hard, but it's re registering that just be really compassionate with yourself right now. Like, this is completely natural and normal that you're feeling like this. And even just telling yourself that, because hearing that from a friend or from a therapist is really soothing, but we don't say that to ourselves very often. And then there's other moments where anxiety rises for me, whether it's around work. I still get a lot of anxiety around my dyslexia um, and around things that I struggle with, but that's still definitely an underlining anxiety for me. And for me, in those moments, about it's about actually stripping a lot back. And so it's about, one, it's, it's the biggest word, it's acceptance. And I think it's really hard to just accept how you feel. But I don't, in those moments, actually try to go to tools and resources. I actually just say, like, stop trying to problem solve. Just try and allow yourself to accept in how you're feeling and something that's really helped when I know I feel like that is is journaling is kind of sitting down and it's I also find is trying to take myself out of a spiraling mindset that you can get in when you're ruminating because you're anxious and you're trying to problem solve when your brain's firing in 10 different directions so for me it's like I try to accept it sit with it and then rather than ruminate in that anxiety moment that I have I try to actually rewire what I'm thinking and go what is it that I'm actually grateful for right now like what is it and it kind of pulls me out of that mindset it doesn't work every time and it's not saying like whenever you feel anxious sit down right you are grateful for it's not always going to be a solution but for me it I actually have to try and take my mind off it after I've accepted that's how I feel and maybe I'm going out for a walk and thinking why well, I'm feeling like this, I'm actually trying to reconfigure and rewire it and think about something that's really positive because I don't know if you feel like this when you get anxious, but when you do, you spiral, that like you really spiral, and your brain is insanely powerful. So just trying to think about something that's actually really benefiting you right now, and it might even just be like, I'm breathing, and you know I'm having time to even write this down. It might be something really simple, but actually trying to think about something that you are grateful for, that you are happy for, that brings you joy, really, really helps me in those moments. So I think if there's there's anything I could say, it's it's self-compassion and acceptance. Like just be really kind to yourself and don't feel. I think it's so easy to be angry at yourself for feeling anxious or angry at yourself if you're not having a solution. It's so easy. But it's actually just saying, I completely validate myself for feeling like this. Like that's such a, like, let go. There's so much that comes for having that with oneself, and it's not easy like it's it's that's definitely kind of a process, but the more you do it, the more that you actually just start to go, I have a bit of respect for myself, and it's okay that I feel this way, as you would with a friend, and then the second thing is is kind of trying to journal around things that are completely not what I'm thinking things that I'm very grateful for and happy for at that moment, which has sometimes last week when I was trying to do that, I was like, "What am I grateful for? my God, what is it <laughs> it was like really <laughs> yeah. difficult, yeah um, yeah. But, you know, when you get there, I do find that sometimes really helpful. Yeah.
1: I love that. I think that's such an important point about the acceptance. Because I notice sometimes I'll be feeling a certain way. Maybe I'm in a bit of a low mood and my brain goes into overdrive trying to problem solve, trying to think, oh, maybe you should do this. Maybe it's because of this. Maybe you should do this. And if I just stop for a minute and say, hmm, what what is it I'm actually feeling right now? Oh, okay. I feel a bit of heaviness inside. I can actually handle this feeling. I don't need to Try to think my way out of it. I can just be mm-hmm. with this feeling and actually it's not so bad. It's almost like the, the overthinking that goes on top that is worse. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, the ruminating is. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Your brain, like your brain is actually in that moment trying to be really kind. It's trying to be like, Okay, let's think of all the other things that could be going on right now. Okay, well, if this is happening, what's going on here? What's going on here? What's going on here? How could you stop all of these things? And you're basically trying to like spin so many plates and you're just causing yourself more and more and more anxiety. And so actually, it's just kind of saying like, just, just stop and actually, like, this is okay. Like, how am I feeling? Okay, I feel mm-hmm. jealous. Okay. And that, that can be really hard, right? I feel jealous. That's such a hard thing, because you inherently think you're a bad person if you feel jealous about mm-hmm. someone. You actually mm-hmm. not. Like it's such a human instinct to be jealous. I feel jealous. Okay. And as soon as you kind of say it, and then you're like, Do you know what? That's okay. Yeah. Completely fine that you feel jealous. Then you're kind of going, Oh, yeah. okay, that is okay that I feel jealous. Like all of these things, but we just don't we try to I think we try as human race to problem solve because that's inherently how we've stayed alive in the past. But actually, knowing that yes. you feeling jealous isn't going to cause your life to end is fantastic. Knowing that you might fail, knowing that my podcast might fail, it's not going to make my life end. It might make me really sad, but it's not going to make my life end. And so, actually, allowing myself to go, okay, that that what happens. That's what happens. that mm-hmm. is okay. It feels so much more heavy in that moment, but it's just that acceptance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's very like validating hearing you talk about that, that thing about jealousy. Yeah. We do beat ourselves up, don't we? Like, oh, I shouldn't be, you know, I shouldn't be, or, oh, maybe I should, I should be grateful for what I have. I shouldn't be feeling sad, you know, or I shouldn't be anxious. You know, I live in a very, you know, safe, I live a very safe life and yet I still have this anxiety and we beat ourselves up. But actually, it's just so human. Whatever, whatever we're feeling is human, it's normal.
2: Yeah. And it is
1: okay. So, Completely. yeah, a lot of, re- Yeah, If you didn't have these
2: feelings of jealousy, you actually wouldn't be human or you would weirdly be missing an emotion. Like it's, Mm -hmm. and that's how we have to think about it. Like every time you feel jealous, that is just a human emotion. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you wish hatred on that person. That is Mm -hmm. actually just how you're feeling. And also it is so hard to not feel jealous when actually we have so much pressure on us to have this perfect life, look this perfect way. You know, everything is transforming such an extent that we seem to be able to kind of adapt our bodies quicker than we can. And then we also have all of these kind of like compounding variable messages such as Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, magazines, TV, everything. Virtual headsets that have come out today from Apple That's now going to be kind of the next generation of the iPhone. Like we have so many compounding messages day in, day out. And our body is constantly just trying to... Fight all these off and actually think, no, I'm a good person. No, I didn't feel that way about that person. Actually you do and that's okay. And there's nothing you can do about that. That's just a human emotion and it doesn't mean that you yeah. wish bad on them. So I think yeah. it's acceptance is such a big thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So powerful. Thank you so much for everything you shared. So much wisdom that you shared today. Where can people find out more about you and what you do and what your podcast is about and all that? Can you tell us?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the podcast is Live Well, Be Well with Sarah Macklin. So that will be on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, you know, wherever you listen to this podcast, it will be on there. You can also go to my Instagram, which is at Sarah and Macklin, which is a lot of things that I kind of post about, which we spoke about today. Or if you kind of want like direct mental health resources or support or webinars, mentoring we have, then go to be underscore well underscore collective on Instagram or just be well collective. Yeah. Or you can find me on my website again, which is just my name, Sarah. Muckland. So many ways that you can kind of get involved and, and find out more about what I do. Amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful.
1: You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmau.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions